Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, report were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. With the Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Nothing will stand in our way. I find your lack of faith disturbing. I will finish what you started. Who are you? I'm no one. There are stories about what happened. It's true. All of it. The Force. It's calling to you. My nerd road. Just let it in. It is my nerd world, and welcome to this bonus episode of the Star Wars show. I'm your host, John Justice, and I've been considering doing this for a while and since since the holidays i thought you know what i'll share something with you and hopefully you'll enjoy it as i've mentioned on almost every single show uh, i am an author i've written a science fiction uh, space opera series called embark Uh, the stories are um, a tribute to and inspired by the storytelling of george lucas And honestly, in no small part, James Cameron as well, as my story does have a a running romance uh, in it, which James Cameron includes in almost all of his uh, all of his films. But when I set out to write Embark, I wanted to know what it was like to create my own world and characters like what like uh, with what he did. And I wanted to create a space opera, but I also wanted to make sure that it wasn't just a rip off of Star Wars and traveling to another galaxy far, far away and creating a whole host of, um, you know, different characters and aliens and worlds. It just feels like Star Wars. It's hard not to not to end up just being redundant in that. So I decided what I would do is create a space opera story that is set in roughly the year 2177, a future where air and space flight has replaced car culture on Earth. And open the story, the first book, Embark Book One, um, with a an an apocalyptic disaster story that gets uh, humanity off of Earth and out into the galaxy. It's not spoiling anything; it's in the description in and of itself, uh, based off of the two characters, Katha Morrow and Taft Guardia, uh, a civilian and military spacecraft factory. In Book One, suffers a catastrophic accident. 
at that moment in time, unaware of what has happened, Kate Amaro, one of our two lead protagonists, receives a cryptic message from her past. Taft agrees to help investigate. Meanwhile, the ruthless leader of the military spacecraft factory corporation exploits the global evacuation and attempts to gain control while Taft and Katha come across what may be the key to saving humanity from the tyranny of D Corp's evil leader. The overarching story of the books is a ragtag squadron of pilots, one reluctant hero, and new heroes that we meet along the way are on a journey of survival from Earth to the far reaches of space as they continue to fight for humanity's future among the stars. So why am I talking about all this on the Star Wars podcast? So the first three books in the series create a complete story arc. In book four, Gone Corbin and the Asteroid of Misfortune, it is a spinoff story from the third book that also serves as a link to the second trilogy of stories that starts off with book five, The Rocket Queen, book six, Fear the Dangerous Night, and the final book in the series, book seven, Battle Planet. What I'm going to share with you here on my nerd world, a Star Wars show, is chapter 10 from The Rocket Queen, book five in the uh, in the series. Uh, we are pretty far along within the series at this point in time. However, it does start a brand new story arc. So The Rocket Queen can be read or listened to an audiobook as a book one in a new story arc, much like you would go and watch A New Hope without seeing the prequels. Or it can be book five in the ongoing Embark series. What's special about the chapter that I'm going to share with you as it relates to a Star Wars show is that at this portion in the book, our heroes have traveled back to their home world of Earth. And they end up inside a little theme park called Disneyland. This was a concept that I had landed on when I wrote the first three stories that I held off for its own story in book five. Star Wars plays a big part within the storytelling in and of itself as the characters, while it's in the future, are fans of the series as obviously the series has continued long, you know, long into the future here on, here on Earth. So it makes sense from that, from that standpoint. However, there's a whole group of kids, younger adults who are in this story, who have no familiarity whatsoever with Star Wars because they were born after the fact, not on Earth, but out in uh, on a distant colonized world. So what you get in Chapter 5 of the story is our hero, Luna, who is familiar with Star Wars because of her, her own parenting have exposed her to it, with her other team members who are not familiar with Star Wars. The plot of the book in and of itself goes as follows. Our hero Luna thought she was traveling to the happiest place on Earth. She was wrong. It's been two decades since the apocalyptic chain of events forced humanity to abandon Earth. A military reconnaissance team is sent to the evacuee's home world to investigate an unprovoked attack on the colonized planets. Upon arrival, mission leader Luna Guardia uncovers a nefarious plot when she's taken hostage by the mysterious and dangerous leader of survivors living in isolation within the theme park. Who is the Rocket Queen? And what is she planning? Luna must find out before it's too late. So, here is chapter 10 from the Rocket Queen, from the audiobook, The Rocket Queen, book 5 in the Embark series. At this moment in the story, our heroes have escaped the clutches of the enemy. 
and are now venturing off at night into Disneyland as they try to escape their captives. So I hope you enjoy Chapter 10 in uh, the audiobook for the Rocket Queen. And uh, once the chapter wraps up, I'll be back to conclude the podcast. Chapter 10, Disneyland, Earth. I've never seen this type of architecture. It's amazing. Why don't we build anything like this at home? Asked Danton quietly while the trio of EFF pilots crept slowly through the small village square in the far west portion of the park. Technically, if you paid attention in history class, we actually stopped building shops like this hundreds of years before the Great Evacuation. Why do you think they built this place? Because it already didn't exist, Luna replied. What's the plan, goat leader? Hallie asked respectfully. We're going to head to the northwest portion of the park. It should only be a few minutes walk. If we stick to the train tracks, that should be up ahead. I think we'll have the cover we need. Why there? You think it's safe? Danton asked, walking several feet in front of the two women. Because their groups seem to be associated with different parts of the park. Tomorrowland, Frontier, Fantasy, Main Street. I didn't hear any of them or that freakazoid mayor dude mention that part of the park. It's just a hunch that maybe there aren't a lot of people living there. A window shattered right next to Luna's face, pelting her with shards of glass. She recoiled as pain sliced across her cheek and neck. In quick succession, the sound of laser fire echoed from behind them as half a dozen orange energy bands flew past them. I'm hit! screamed Hallie in agony. Luna dropped to the pavement and returned fire, randomly shooting in the direction the lasers were coming from since she couldn't see anyone. She glanced at Hallie, covering her mouth in horror at the wound on her upper thigh. How bad is it, Luna? Tell me. It's bad, Halls, Luna replied. The plasma blast had torn a huge chunk out of her upper leg. I can't get up, Hallie said, clutching at her leg. Come on, guys, I see the walkway. We gotta get moving, yelled Danton a few yards ahead, unaware that Hallie was in trouble. Luna fired a few more rounds aimlessly behind them, striking storefronts and breaking more windows. Hallie reached out with her free hand, grabbing Luna's forearm. Go! She grunted in a low tone. You and Danton have to get out of here and warn the others. I'm not leaving you, Halls, no way, said Luna, as another handful of orange laser blasts struck around them. Yes, way. They'll be busy hauling me off to that confinement place the mayor talked about. Either way, I'm losing a lot of blood, and maybe they'll help me. Now go! Luna, come on. The streets are clear ahead. What's taking you two so long? Said Danton through Luna's flight suit computer. Luna swiped her wrist OS to open up the comm and reply, Goat 3, keep following the path north and stay out of sight. I'll find you on the OS tracker. Copy that, goat leader. Why didn't you tell him? Asked Hallie. Because he just would have turned around. I'm going to come back for you. Stay strong. For a reason said Luna, her eyes welling up with tears that quickly fell down her face. She gave a quick kiss to Hallie's forehead, fired a few more laser rounds to get clear, and then ran down the curved street and out of sight. As Luna disappeared into the night, Hallie tapped into her personal operations system on her flight suit and wiped it clean of any saved data. Luna! Luna, come in! 
I found something. Over. Whispered Danton on his wrist OS. Luna was following the tracking signal from Danton's flight suit and working her way to his location. I read you, Dans. I'm just south of your location. They got Hallie. She took a nasty blast to her leg. I'll tell you more when I get to you. What did you find? Danton was at a loss for a moment, his thoughts and concerns focused on his captured friend. Dans? Goat 3, come back, over, continued Luna, quietly on her comms. She was currently making her way around a recreation of an old dilapidated Louisiana estate that housed the theme park's haunted mansion ride. Sorry, goat leader. I think I found transportation. They don't look familiar. I'll look them over until you get here. Luna was skeptical that this gang of park dwellers would just leave available spacecraft unattended. Then again, those forgotten hadn't really shown themselves to be the smartest bunch. Luna thought, Stay low and don't get caught. I'm on my way. Luna worked her way further north, passing by a sizable fabricated mountain that housed a log ride. In the distance behind her, she heard voices and could see the faint movement of flashlights as the mayor's minions searched for her and Danton. Spotting the railroad tracks that circled the entire park, she knew they would lead her directly into the entrance of where Danton was currently waiting for her. Climbing up one of the train trestles, she slowly and carefully made her way down the wooden tracks. The landscape around her had changed from that of a forest to something rockier and oddly familiar. The train tracks crossed several feet above the western entrance to this portion of the themed land. Luna climbed down, hanging briefly from the bridge crossing before dropping down onto the pavement below. Danton, I just crossed into the northern land of the park. I'm right around the corner from you. You should see me creeping up on your location. Got it, Luna. You'll see a few vehicles up on the right. I'm next to the red one. Luna chuckled slightly, her suspicions confirmed. I'll be right there. She turned one last time to be sure no one was following her. To her surprise, she saw a makeshift barricade blocking the entrance to this part of the park. Walking slowly close to the rust-colored metal railings that kept tourists from climbing over the flake flora and fauna, Luna rounded the corner to see the first ship in question. Dance, where are you? whispered Luna as she climbed over the small wall surrounding the wedge-shaped, single-seat, faded white and red starfighter. I'm right here, Danton replied, popping his head up from behind the ship, standing between its two vertical-winged thrusters. I found this ship here. It's tough to see. There's a larger winged fighter just over there on that raised area. Luna desperately wanted to stop Danton from speaking. Still, he was both nervous and excited to a point where he was almost rambling. Danton continued and said, I was just now trying to see if I couldn't get into its power plant and boot up its operational systems, but I've had no luck finding the proper control panel. Danton, first off, take a breath, said Luna. Danton did as Luna requested, placing his hands on the large laser cannon that adorned both sides of the vehicle. He inhaled deeply. Okay, I'm good. But have you seen vehicles like this? Are they old tea crafts or something? It's the or something, Danton. This is an RZ-1A wing interceptor. The other one over there is a T-70 X-wing. And I hate to break it to you, but these aren't real. Nothing here is. 
It was as if Luna was speaking another language to Danton, standing in the dark, leaning on a replica of the fictional spaceship. This place is Galaxy's Edge. It's all Star Wars stuff in here. You know, the classic movies, Yoda, Vader, Rex, Jackson the Space Bunny? Never saw them. We don't watch movies in our house. So these are fake? Now Luna couldn't relate. No movies, doesn't know Star Wars? Ugh, we don't have time for any of this. Her next words echoed her internal dialogue. Yes, they're like big toys. This whole place is one big interactive toy for adults. I know these look like spaceships. Trust me, we'd have better odds of flying out of here by me throwing you than trying to pilot this replica. Now let's get going. We're safer if we keep moving. You saw the entrance was blocked too? Yeah, I thought it was strange, but you were right that this region would be empty. Since you seem to know your way around, where to? We need to get out of the park completely. Let's head that way. Maybe we'll find an exit further north. Besides, the Millennium Falcon should be just ahead. And that thing is rad, exclaimed Luna. The Millennial what? If we ever get out of this, I'm not letting you back into the goats until you binge watch the saga films. Seriously, Luna, I haven't a clue what you're talking about, said Danton with exasperation. They carefully walked along the visitor's path, passing another large transport replica and a flat black and orange accented X-Wing. I'll explain later. In the meantime, if I get to lay my eyes on the Falcon and we do die here, it might just have been worth it. The lights inside the expansive park were still on, providing little darkness for the two EFF pilots to hide. How do you know so much about this place? I mean... I knew you were into Earth's history, but you act like you've been here and not just once, asked Danton. I was going through some of my dad's stuff, what little he was able to take from Earth during the evacuation, replied Luna. At the same time, she and Danton stalked quietly around the tan stucco buildings in the center of the land. I found a faded tourist map of this Disneyland theme park. I would stare at it almost every night before going to bed, memorizing the layout different lands and visitor amenity locations. It really fueled my fascination with the old world. Ugh, I hate calling it that. We were just so filled with creativity, wonder, and excitement. Now it's all survival, and before that it was war. So many of us have been denied what life could be like. You got all that from a map? Asked Danton, still confused. And not just from that, there's, there's more. And you know what? Luna was getting slightly annoyed. Hallie was right. You should have paid more attention in history. She peeked around the next corner. I just don't understand. You don't have to get all mad about it. Danton quickly regretted his own tone. They were still on an official mission. Trying to remedy his concerned insubordination, he respectfully said, Sorry, goat leader. Checking their surroundings to be sure they were safe for the time being, Luna said, No, I I'm sorry. This whole mission has gone sideways, but that's no excuse for me to get angry. Let's get out of here and work on getting Hallie back. We'll keep pushing into the land. Stick close. I thought I heard something up ahead. The surrounding decorative foliage, placed in aesthetically pleasing locations around the visitor walkways, were all dead, and partially or wholly filled with snow. Like the rest of the park, however, apart from the typical weather-related wear and tear, the infrastructure including all the movie-quality replica props, were in surprisingly great shape. 
Now in the center of this region of the park, while focusing on finding a way out, Luna couldn't help but get excited at what she was about to see. Hoping to curb her own enthusiasm while keeping Danton distracted from concern, she said, If we keep heading this way, we should be able to get past the buildings and reach the perimeter. There we can find a way out and formulate a plan. Sounds good, but why are you smiling? I'm smiling because the one place, the one thing I've always dreamed of seeing is right up ahead. My father said it was the greatest ship, interstellar, capable, or fake he'd ever seen. Even more impressive than the night or the anniversary? Yep, and I know you have no idea what I'm talking about, but we do have a TV at home. My parents and I have watched dozens of Star Wars movies over and over, and there is nothing like the Millennium Falcon. As the words spilled from Luna's mouth with adoration, the famed freighter from those space opera films, decades upon decades old, came into view. Small lights surrounded the most famous spaceship's full-scale recreation ever put on a movie screen. Luna's eyes, like millions before her, filled with tears, overwhelmed in the moment. Luna and Danton crouched behind some prefabricated cargo boxes, Part of the items scattered around to complete the look of the Black Spire outpost and spaceport. Are you okay? Danton asked, placing his hand gently just below the back of her neck. Yeah, I'm fine. I'm just thinking about my dad and Hallie. I, I pray they're both okay, and, well, my dad loves the Falcon. Luna, gaining her composure as best she could, wiped away her tears. Huh. Danton stared at the faded white and weathered replica freighter. What? Oh, it's nothing, really. It's just when I laid my eyes on it just now, I thought, what a piece of junk, said Danton with a shrug of his shoulders. Luna, while fighting the urge to cry, let out an audible burst of laughter. She then turned and gave Danton a quick hug. Um, what was that for, goat leader? He said, flushed with emotion and confusion. Again, you wouldn't understand, but damn, I needed that laugh. Luna quickly refocused on her surroundings. I see what looks like a service entryway just behind the ship over there. I say we... Luna was cut off by glowing blue laser blasts striking their surroundings. Before Luna could locate their pursuer's position, Danton let out a cry of pain and collapsed to the ground behind the boxes they were using for cover. Dance! Dance! said Luna, shaking her friend. Damn it, they stunned him, and I can't carry him out of here, Luna thought to herself. More laser fire rained down from an elevated position. Luna's eyes darted all around her as she desperately tried to figure out what she should do. Her gaze passed over where the Millennium Falcon was parked. There, she caught a quick glimpse of a person standing on the loading ramp, waving her over. Luna's confusion turned to shock, when a voice sounded next to her. Hey, lady, this guy is going to be out for at least an hour, and if we don't get out of here, we will be too. Luna turned, her gun following her line of sight, to see a pale young boy with wavy brown hair hiding behind another set of cargo boxes. Who are you? We need to get out of here. The mayor's followers are crazy. My brother is over inside the Falcon. You're going to have to leave your friend, or we're all going to get caught. Luna couldn't believe what was happening. Feeling devastatingly guilty, she knew this stranger was right. I'll come back for you and Hallie, I promise. 
Luna whispered, leaning down close to the unconscious Danton, squeezing his forearm gently. She then quickly accessed his wrist OS, wiping the OS clean of its data. Luna looked back up at her new acquaintance. How do we get out of here? I don't think we can make a run for the Falcon from here, given where they're shooting from. We're not going to go that way. Follow me and keep low. We'll enter the ride through the exit. How do you know they won't search the place and find us? How haven't they found you? Look, I'll explain later, but trust me. Once we're out of sight and they capture your friend, they'll leave. The mayor is probably already ticked off that his people have spent as much time here looking for you as they have. Now come on. Like she had with Hallie, Luna took one last look. For now, she thought, at Danton. Blue lasers continued to strike their surroundings as Luna cautiously followed the juvenile stranger. They scurried away down a back alley and into an unlocked maintenance door, far from what was commonly referred to as the stage. The stage referred to any portion of the park that the public had access to. Once inside the door, Luna found herself in a long, partially lit bare hallway. The boy, wearing a faded blue Black Spire Outpost t-shirt, matching the themed land that they were in, was already running ahead of Luna. Hey, hold up! I have to get my friends back and need some answers! Stopping in his tracks, the boy turned and said, Getting your friends back is the least of your problems. You really have no idea what's going on, do you? Luna threw her palms up, frustrated. No, dude, I don't. That's why I said I need answers. This is bigger than you think. I'll explain, but we have to get to my brother. For a reason, thought Luna, taking a deep breath before jogging down the hall to catch up with the boy. So I hope you enjoyed this sample of The Rocket Queen, which again can be read as book one in an all-new trilogy in the Embark series, but it's also book five in the ongoing Embark series. If you did, the audiobook is available for the Embark series on Amazon.com, as are the ebooks, the paperbacks, uh, hardcover, and audiobooks. If you like your science fiction space opera to be epic, filled with a little romance and action, Embark is perfect for you. Uh, as you can tell from the sample, uh, it's written for adults, but it's great for ages 11 plus. So I hope that you'll purchase a copy for yourself or for a friend or family member. I think there's still time to order uh, a, a paperback or hardcover and get it uh, delivered before Christmas arrives. But again, I just, I've just i been sitting on this idea for a while, and I thought, you know what? Star Wars fans um, of, the, uh, of the podcast, obviously, might get a kick out of this chapter from the book. And uh, perhaps uh, you'll be interested in going uh, and uh, picking yourself uh, up a copy. So uh, happy holidays to you. Be back again next week with a normal episode, as stated in the regular episode this week. And thank you for checking out uh, My Nerd World, a Star Wars show. The Force will be with you always. My Nerd World. <laughs>